What's up, y'all? It's Will here at Schedulefly. This is our rock star women of restaurants episode two. What a awesome series! We are so thrilled to have the opportunity to do this. We feel very privileged to serve uh, ladies like you'll listen to here. Uh, so many of them around the country that we're very fortunate to serve, and we're thankful to have had the opportunity to get to know some of them fairly well, um, even though, you know, these are folks that are paying, uh, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 bucks a month for a scheduling software. Um, we, we really value relationships that we are able to build with any of our customers when we have that opportunity. And we, we work hard to try to do that because we admire the people in the industry that we serve. And, uh, this is a, an episode with three ladies who are all in different parts of the country. It's actually really cool. So you've got Marilyn Schlossback. She is uh, up in Asbury Park, New Jersey, right on the coast. And she has multiple concepts. I'll, you'll, she talks about um, her business, so I'll let you listen to that. But I will say I've been up to visit with her, and we filmed her uh, several years ago. And got to go to Langosta Lounge and send them really awesome place and her team loves her um she's just a wonderful lady who does so much for the people that work for her and the community that she's in and they were devastated years ago by sandy and now you had uh, covid last year and ongoing her resilience is very inspiring to me uh then you've got jesse colleen who is um out in Durango, Colorado, and also down in New Mexico, they have uh, a concept called Grassburger. And again, I, she fills in what that's all about. Extremely, extremely nice lady who uh, was in our second book. So is Marilyn, by the way. Uh, and have really enjoyed getting to know her over the years. She's always been so complimentary of us, which I mean, we always will take it. We appreciate it. But extremely nice, and you'll see that. She had to leave halfway through. She had a dinner party, but she was... Uh, kind enough to jump on and hang out with us for half an hour right literally like people rang the door at her doorbell (laughs) as when she had to jump off but very uh nice to catch up with her as always and they've got a great concept i think that's going a lot of places go will go a lot of places if they wanted to uh and then you've got the newest um member of the of the, the crew if you will of folks that i've gotten to know that uh are on this podcast and that's lisa carvey Lisa owns the Brayburn. Uh, she's outside of Seattle, Washington. She's actually on an island. It's a really cool place. And she worked there uh, years ago, and then she wound up having an opportunity to buy it and moved from Vermont all the way out there to buy it. And she's been at it for a decade or so now as the owner. And all three of these ladies are just so kind and thoughtful and intentional and good at what they do. And they, you know, as everybody in this industry has had, they've had a quite a challenging last year we talked a lot about how they're coping with that uh, what has changed for them in terms of how they may view their their business and the balance they have with their personal life and their business and what their ambitions are and wow um, just really enjoyed it we talked forever an hour and uh, can't wait to do more of these so thank you all for listening more to come soon appreciate it see you thank you all for you know for what you do uh, there's Jess. Hi, is it working now? 
Yeah. You're good. Yes. Oh, that's so great. I'm so sorry. I missed all the fun bits. That's okay. I was just kind of saying hello and thanking y'all for doing this and um, really appreciate it. I know Jess, you're on a short time frame tonight. Jess was kind enough to jump in here. She has a dinner party at her house in like 20 minutes or something. But, oh. Um, but uh, I, I, we're really excited, y'all. We started this series, you know, Rockstar Women of Restaurants, and we really think that about y'all. I think y'all have talked to me enough to know that's that's genuine, and uh, I believe that. And uh, we're excited to have this opportunity. And, you know, one of the things that we've always felt like with Schedule Fly is that we serve these awesome people all over the country, and we get to interact with them, but y'all are doing your thing, and you're I mean, just, you know, full on. So it's enough just to even maybe know some other folks in your town that own restaurants. But I find these people, I'm like, gosh, it would be so cool if we could start to connect them so that, you know, we, we can have this network of uh, restaurant owners that can share ideas, that can share um, challenges, that can, you know, befriend each other, get conversations going, learn from each other. So this is sort of like the really, you know, small early beginnings of doing that but I feel like we have lots of ways we can really connect uh the folks that are you know part of our footprint across the country so um but uh thank you all very much and so what I'll do I guess particularly Jess since you've got a, a short time frame here is if y'all want to each introduce yourselves and, and Jess we'll start with you and just tell us a little bit about yourself and uh you know where you're located and your concept Okay, uh, my name is Jesse Colleen, and uh, thank you, Will. I have to say, you're kind of the rock star, to be honest, and you help make us look good with <laughs> your service. I mean, I, we've we've really been able to. Um, well, you've been your company's been really helpful in terms of our own growth and efficiency. So, and your mind, I love how your mind thinks. The things that you come up with, this is pretty special. So, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you. Uh, so I have a restaurant called Grass Burger, and its focus is grass-fed beef. It's pretty simple. Uh, burgers, fries, salads, shakes, bowls. Um, our goal really is to, is to bring forth regenerative agricultural practices and sustainable practices to a, a kind of what's been typically a fast food model in yes. the American, um, the American uh, fair of burgers and fries, make it better and, and, uh, better for the planet, better for us, et cetera, et cetera. And it really was born out of, uh, my, my anger, if you will, at food systems. I'm not a chef by trade. I'm actually an art historian and, and I worked in advertising. So like the marketing and branding of our concept is my baby, but, um, I love food politics and I love nutrition and I love um, farm to table and how all of that works. And so just, this just happened. Um, anyway, we have our, our flagship stores in Durango, Colorado in the Southwest. And we have two more in Albuquerque, uh, the same thing, two grass burgers. And uh, we're getting ready to open a second one in Durango uh that's kind of hush hush but it's in the in the works and yeah I'm it's been a lot of work and labor of love but I I'm really excited by it I read the bios and looked at your websites Lisa and Marilyn and I have to say I kneel down to both of you I I just I loved everything I read about you and what you do and what you represent and I can't wait to hear more about you same yeah, for awesome. both of you. Yeah, I checked I checked out both of yours as well. And I'm 
thrilled to to be a part of this with um with you guys and and will especially i mean what a cool idea really i i watched the first episode um i listened to it and then i actually watched it as well and it was it's just such a fun idea and i like i'm in i'm on whidbey island so outside seattle and it's a beautiful spot but it can feel pretty isolated because um you know, you have to take a ferry to get here. Uh, we're in a tiny little town and, and I'm really good friends with the other restaurant owners um, who just took me under their wing as soon as I came in uh, 10 years ago. Um, but it's, and I have some other friends in the industry, certainly all over as well, but it's um, it's nice to have maybe an, an outlet to connect with people who have experience and um, who are dealing with the similar issues that this year especially has made so challenging um so it's yeah super super excited about the whole series will it's a cool idea um but oh yeah so i have the braeburn you um and i'm out on woodby island uh i'm not actually a chef originally or trained by any stretch um i always worked in the front of the house um my first job was when i was 14 in a restaurant and i've done everything from bartending to to wedding planning and um sort of everything in between uh, and I worked here for the prior owners when I moved to to Whidbey um, a while back and um, always cooked at home, always dated chefs, um, always enjoyed it, but never had taken, never had crossed from front of the house to the back of the house until I had the opportunity to uh, take over the, the business existing uh, from the previous owners. And so the first thing I did was learn everything in the kitchen when I took over so I knew how to do everything. Uh, and discovered that I actually loved it. I think I had talked to Will on maybe the first or second time I was with you just about the whole dance of the kitchen and that kind of magic that happens when you're really in sync with the people who you're next to. And and that um, I just kind of caught the bug. So now I, I'm mostly back of the house, but I still float in the front whenever I'm needed. Um, but yeah, it's been a rough year, certainly. Um, and it's starting to look up a little bit. We just opened um yesterday for indoor dining at 25% capacity so it's lovely to have people um in our space again and seeing familiar faces and um people are just really excited to have the chance to support us again so that's been really nice congratulations yeah. thanks yeah yeah. yeah it's good it's it's good all right marilyn what's going on uh, so good to see you again. I've actually gotten a visit with Marilyn in person. We made some film with her years ago, and she's got a beautiful place uh, at Asbury Park right there on the coast in Jersey. So, so good to see you. Yeah. So, actually, the inspiration for the room at Langosta is from a beautiful painting from an artist from Durango, Sarah Cummerford. I don't know if you know her. Out it there, is but... familiar. It's a kind of small town. So, yeah. Uh, did an amazing Guadalupe inspiration of um, with yellow roses, which were my mom's favorite, and it's about eight feet tall and wow. wide. It's gorgeous, and the whole space was done around that piece of artwork. Her sister was the architect on the on the project that I no was kidding. So that's Small funny, world, because I've never been to Durango, but I've always wanted to go and and see her. I well, now you know two people. <laughs> and I could come. I don't eat beef, but my husband would love a grass-fed burger. We make a mean vegan burger, too. Okay. Nice. I eat everything but beef. I don't know. I, um, 
I've always had Labradors or Weimaraners, and to me, they look like cows. So <laughs> that's interesting. <laughs> Um, but I'm a coastal girl. My husband's an artist, primarily in the Japanese surf art world. So we surf and travel a lot. And we have a few restaurants, um, way too many in a pandemic, honestly. <laughs> it's been a really tough, tough year for us. None of our concepts are geared towards takeout. They're more up, upper fun dining, you know, so it's been really challenging to to deal with that. And one of our venues has a lot of live music, which we just brought back online about a month ago. And generally we do okay with it lately. We're at 35% capacity now and they mm -hmm. just lifted our curfew. So now we're trying to figure out how to get back into the later evening, not sit down and watch music at six o'clock hour, right. so, <laughs> which has been challenging. Um, you know, Jersey and New York were pretty high up in the cases for a long time. So we had a lot of trouble with booking music and bands getting sick and all of that. So, um, you know, it's, I, I mean, I'm sure we're all feeling this craziness of trying to maneuver and sit back and look at your life. You know, I mean, I'm the opposite. I was a chef for probably 25, 30 years of my career and then had to take over all of the front of the house duties and get back into, you know, the front, which I'm kind of an introvert. So I really enjoy the back of the house and I love mm -hmm. being on a line when that magic happens. And even when it doesn't, I love, I love directing us out of that chaos and vortex. So mm -hmm. um, the front is, is uncomfortable for me, but I do it. You know, we, my brother used to run the front of, the house for us and I don't know did you meet Richard Will when you were in town yeah well, he's been battling stage four cancer for a couple of years so he's out of restaurant land and uh gardening and hanging out at home more and doing really well actually so I'm glad for that but it leaves me with a lot of this space where my brother was the the actor and the theatrics I'm I'm like, when can I run in the back and expo food? <laughs> Get me out of here. I don't want to. What does table two want to talk to me about? Are they mad? <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're going through some major growing pains. We took over a restaurant a month before shutdown. And okay. it was a half event space, partial brewery and... Uh, a la carte dining so we lost all our events for the year but we also got into some sustainable organic mushroom farming so we're farming on site in a huge container and in the middle of the pandemic we partnered with a french chocolatier and now we're doing chocolate so wow. we're kind of moving wow. a little bit out of the restaurant world and more into the selling to restaurant world mm -hmm. um just for the sake of, you know, what are we going to do with this? And, you know, we got pretty rocked by Sandy about nine years ago now, lost two restaurants in that and thought mm -hmm. we would never have to do this again. Our kids were born a couple months before Sandy. So now they're almost a decade old and going through this again. So, you know, we're tired. 
you know, my husband's like, why the, why the F do we keep doing this? <laughs> what is our problem? Let's go to the DR and surf, you know? So I don't know how much longer we'll, we'll hang on to all this. We'll see. Mm -hmm. uh, wow. Yes. Wow. You know, you really, uh, I remember that because uh, we were up there not long after, I mean, like, I don't know, a couple years maybe, but you're, you had twin daughters, right? Yep. Yeah, because they were, you were holding them like this. They were, yeah. you, that we got them in that video. Yeah, we did. Well, um, now they're eight and they're a handful. Well, homeschooling and. <laughs> what about catering, Mayor? Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I didn't mean to talk over you. No, go ahead, Jess, please. I'm just wondering how the catering piece has been going for you. Has that held strong? It's been oh. terrible. We're at 10 people capacity for indoor events. Oh, so, you know, they just passed a new ordinance to extend the outside dining, but as of November, we weren't even allowed to tent outside anymore in both the counties that we do business in. So our outdoor got shut down and oh. then the indoor, who's gonna do anything with 10 people? So, yeah. Yeah. Wow. you know, we're hoping we're booking now, but people are really nervous. They don't know, you know, our governor's very conservative. Yeah. No. And they're, they're setting the tone. I, I, for us in New Mexico between, so we're in the two states and Colorado has actually been fairly easy to um, maneuver through. And they, there's been some leniency in areas that have been impactful, but New Mexico has hobbled, uh, hobbled the restaurants uh, tremendously. So I, I know what you're talking about. It's just so hard to operate in in that setting and you're doing everything right, but it's, but the law is the law. And, you know, so anyway, no, it's interesting. Crazy. you know, I mean, I'm the, also the outgoing chair of the restaurant association for New Jersey. So it was quite a year trying yeah. to, to manage that and all of this. And, you know, it's just, I applaud the governor for keeping us safe, but I don't applaud that let's penalize the whole industry for a couple bad operators, you know? Yeah. We have chronic, chronic locations that we know are breaking the law all over the place and nothing happens to them. And, you yeah. know, we're all sitting here just waiting for more, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it scares everybody and they don't want to go out anyway. So. Yeah. Here's something funny. One of the most successful chefs that I know of right now is a, a woman in Maui. She's a private chef her her two children are champion surfers her daughter's coming up she's 15 uh doing inter international contests anyway um she's supporting their family of five through her cooking alone and so maybe it's time to sell and move to hawaii <laughs> right set your sights high i don't know like that's what in interesting thing about covid isn't it i mean it's it's turned everything upside down and there's yeah. opportunity there. I mean, it's been really good for honing in on what your core is, you know, yeah. between all of my operations, we would hire for season about 200 people and every April 75 to hundred of them would be new, new people. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's extremely overwhelming. And we've been with, 17 core staff members 
for about a year now. That's it. Mm -hmm. We didn't hire because we weren't indoors all summer. So it's been really nice to kind of figure out what's wrong with us, what do we need, and what's great about us, and what should we just put to the side and know we do that okay, and let's figure out the rest. Where before it was just constant movement all the time, and by the time you were in it, it was like, for me, doing payroll, like, who is that person? You know, I don't even know the name on their check. You know, it takes me a year to get to know these people. So that's been good, you know, but it's, especially with kids, I don't know if any of you have young children, but, you know, just the kind of stress level that is surrounding the whole family and dynamic in this and how it's playing out in their lives and, they've been virtual, then not virtual, then virtual again, then they were not virtual and now they're back in virtual. And it's like trying awesome. to maneuver through that with your kids and your employees and their kids. It's, you know, we have also a nonprofit and we just had a big meeting today, actually. We're launching a nonprofit food truck through our nonprofit. And we're gonna mm -hmm. go after this grant with the Boys and Girls Club and we're going to do it on the kind of collaborative piece of a mindfulness nonprofit that works with kids, my nonprofit that works with kids and food, and the Boys and Girls Club that has a workforce development. And everybody's like, what do you mean mindfulness? And I'm like, that's like the most important piece for these kids, for us, for everybody right now is just trying to keep yourself balanced in a meditative state that you're not going to look back five years from now and go, oh, that's why I got cancer. Because for a year and a half, I was so friggin' stressed out. My body has just taken five years to catch up to that stress, which I guarantee is really going to hit our industry yeah. down the road because you can't carry this day to day. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow mindset and come out of it without some sort of physical or mental repercussion. You know, it's insane. It's a lot. Hey, y'all, I want to ask that. Lisa, uh, I'll um, touch on this because it's a question I always find very interesting with restaurant owners before all this happened. To me, it's just, I always have so much admiration for y'all because you're, you're balancing so much, you're putting out so many fires. There's always just something happening like stress. Now you have this. How do, because I actually, I mean, I've, that's been my biggest concern about the industry is like the, I mean, there's the financial piece and all, all this stuff, but it's like the mental health of owners and employees, particularly y'all that bear so much burden of having to lay people off and having to figure this stuff out. So the mental health piece of this seems to be, uh, you know, it's just, it's, a, it's just something I've been very concerned about. I'm, I'm curious how y'all are finding, you know, the right balance that you need to sustain yourself. I don't know that I've, um, I don't know that I would call what I've found balance necessarily. I, I'm certainly striving for it, but um, therapy, therapy helps me. Uh, I do have, I have a wonderful woman who I've been seeing for years, who is like my lifeline. And she, I remember when I first started seeing her, I had had the restaurant for maybe four years and I bought it and dove right into it. Like I, I moved here. I bought the restaurant. I met my husband 
less than three months later, he, he's a wine distributor. So he came in to sell me wine. And, um, and so I had all of these new things that I was just like really diving into and I was putting everything into it. I was only 29 at the time. And, um, and I didn't think anything about self-care or anything other than trying to just put everything I had into this business and try and grow it. And, um, and I remember the first time I saw her, uh, she asked, you know, so like, do you take days off? Do you pay yourself? And I said, well, I don't really take days off. I do bring home orange juice and toilet paper from the restaurant. So, you know, it kind of evens out. I don't really, I get what I need from the restaurant. It's okay. And she's like, okay, so that's probably not a good place to be. Let's, let's work on, let's work on getting yourself a salary and maybe taking a day off. So um, I close for two days a week now, which I didn't close for any days until the pandemic hit. Um, and part of me, a big part of me wants to be open again for all days, as soon as I possibly can, as soon as I have the staff to, to help me out. Um, and the other part of me has finally realized like, I need, I need that time. I still work one of the days because I'm, I'm active in the kitchen or in the front of the house all the other days, basically from open to close. So um, and we do breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So it's, um, I have a lot of, you know, back end stuff to do on one of those days. And, and the other one, I've really finally learned to set some boundaries and just say, this is like, this is my time. Even if I'm home, my brother has moved in with us since COVID as well, uh, because he ended up sort of displaced. Um, but he and my husband both just leave me alone on, on whichever day that is that I pick. I, I've really, figured out that I need to just disconnect from everyone and everything for one day to just kind of reset myself. And I've slowly over the last year, because there has been even more stress, um, I've realized the effect that it, it certainly could have on my health and maybe is having on my health because, um, you know, I'm just in it all of the time and I carry so much stress. So I've, I've actually, I think I've, gone to more lengths in the last year to actually take care of myself. I have a nutrition coach now who I check in with every week and I have, you know, I've got the therapy every week and I've been trying to actually get out and exercise the, the things that I have put off for the last decade. Um, I, I've finally started to prioritize, which actually feels like a bit of a silver lining to all of this, maybe um, just to, to put that in the forefront of something I know I need to do. So I'm um, here and healthy and I'm better at the business because I have finally taken that time. Like I just realized how stretched thin I was all the time. I was never effective at many of the things I was doing. I was just kind of always spinning. So it's, that's helped me be a little better, um, at my job and at managing people and being able to focus. Um, and I don't know, I would, that I would have had that push if all of this didn't happen because I just would have still been in go mode all the time, which, um, I still am, but yeah, I guess I've, I've learned to manage and prioritize myself a little bit more this year. That's awesome. I mean, you're, you're, you sounds like you've made a ton of progress with that. And it's so important because it's, you know, that's, that makes what you do sustainable, personally sustainable. So you don't yeah out. And I always think about that whole, um, you know, the whole thing you get on the plane and you got your kid and like, Hey, if the oxygen comes down, you know, you got to take it first. And then you give it to your kid because you, otherwise you, you can't, you know, you're not going to be able to do anything to help. And so that's such an important piece that y'all are able to do that. I always find it 
really, uh, I'm glad to hear that you're prioritizing that, Lisa, because it's hard to do that sometimes because you want y'all are so giving like restaurant people in general are just you know and people that own restaurants are and, and women are and it's you just give give and think about others but that, that that aspect of taking care of yourself just ironically probably enables you enables you to give more for longer i guess right does that make sense yeah hope that's that's my hope <laughs> that's what i'm shooting for Jess, I know you got to go in a couple minutes. What? How about you? What are you doing to manage through all this? Well, you say giving, I say controlling. Mm. So that was the part I really um, had to pry my cold, stiff fingers off of the <laughs> the wheel to and give up some responsibility and control in order to get some of my own life back. And uh, I mean, the first three or four years, I didn't see my my oldest my oldest son. I have three sons like that. I, I like feel like I missed. There was this blank. There's this blank spot in our history of that time. And so I made a conscious decision uh, to change to change that system in our in our household. Uh, and so what happened is I created more of a team. So I have. I, I, we have a minority partner and then uh, my husband works with me as our CFO and uh, and he he was a big pusher for that. I mean, he saw what was happening and he never worked back of house. So he didn't get like how addicting it is back there. And um, so I just eventually over time, I just handed off little pieces to Cody and then we ended up hiring a strong team underneath uh, and then for what it helped opening the second store, it changed things because it, you have to look at your systems and you can't be both two places at once. And, and so you, you ended up having to trust and anyway, it was a process, but I, I do feel like I have come to a, a much healthier place as a woman. And as a parent, I still have one at home and, you know, we, uh, we have family dinners and well, as much as he'll, he's 16. So he doesn't want to see us very much at this, <laughs> but we try. And, um, and also this is something big, but a couple of years ago, you're going to roll your eyes. I, I bought a horse and because for me, that's a, um, a really special hobby. And when you, and when I'm with my horse and it isn't as much as other people, cause I do work full time, but that time is carved out for me. I don't bring my cell phone and, and I don't think about other things outside of, otherwise, you know, and when you're on a horse, like surfing, I imagine, Marilyn, I've surfed a couple of times and I'm terrible at it. So I'm mostly, when I'm surfing, I'm just thinking about how to stay standing, right? But, you know, doing sports and things like that, you're just in your body and you can let go of that extraneous things, you know, things, all the, all the details that will never go away. Nev the, all the details and all of the every day they're always there there <laughs> doesn't matter how hard you grab onto them where's so, your horse do you keep do have, where do you keep your horse do you have a barn nearby or do y'all have it on your property or no we uh we have a community barn in my in my the area that i live it's a mile down the road so there's a so it's nice because people we help each other and that was the bell of That's your bell. company. So 
I'm so sorry to leave. This is really lovely. And um, I really enjoyed seeing you, Will, and meeting you. It's nice to meet you yeah. as well. Go. <laughs> Bye, yeah. Bye. We'll do another one. Thank you. Hi, thank um, you. <laughs> That's great. That's funny. We actually, uh, I don't know if I've told either of you all this, but we, we moved to a farm in April, actually, ironically. We had already set everything up and we were supposed to be closing and, uh, and then COVID hit. And I was like, we're not moving anywhere. And I, but we had to renegotiate this thing and, and it worked out. So we moved, uh, we're, we, I've lived in Charlotte my whole life. We're now in Waxhaw, which is a little town outside of Charlotte. But the funny thing was my son and I, one of my boys and I just came in from feeding our three horses, right? I mean, literally right before this started. And, uh, we were out there and they were harassing each other. And the, the one of them's kind of a, she's kind of bossy and she tries to eat the food of the old, old guy that we have. They're all like old horses, but, um, we've had so much rain. It, uh, y'all had a lot of rain, Maryland. We've had so much rain this year. We're living in a mud pit right now. Like it's just crazy. Yeah. We've had more snow than probably in the last five years here in the last three weeks. Oh, just in the last three weeks. Yeah. My Scott and the girls were, have been in Texas for the last month. They flew back the day that that snowstorm hit. Mm. They left at two o'clock oh, wow. that night, luckily for them. Yeah. But, you know, it was like 25 degrees when they left Texas, but they, they missed all the snow until today. And I was home with, we, we decided to do a couple things during COVID to, you spoke of therapy. My husband and I go to an EMDR therapist together and a homeopath and the whole thing, but we got a puppy and we call uh, it the diversion puppy. So it's yeah. <laughs> forcing us to get out, to run on the beach, to go hiking, to get the girls off the computer and teach them a little bit about compassion and, and, you know, family time, because, you know, my girl's famous phrase is, what are you doing home, mom? Why aren't you at work? Mm. You're always at work. You know, why are you, oh. well, now it's like, I get you have to be on your cell phone, you're working, you know, so I wanted to change that a little because, you know, you don't want to look back and be like, where did that five years go? What I missed all that, you know, mm -hmm. this summer I put them in surf camp and I made myself go sit at the beach with them for the days they were there just to like watch my kids surf, you know, I mean, it's crazy that they are already doing that and I've missed some of that. So, you know, all of this I think is forcing us to, to take time. I mean, maybe it's not the time we thought we wanted to take or the time that we should be taking, but we're forced to do it. And, you know, it's like, let's look at what, what we can do more of that and try and hopefully get into a habit of it, because I think we all get in a habit of working and it feels really strange for me when I'm not at work. I'm like, I don't know what yeah. to do with my, like, what's my hobby at work, <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, so that's been a real thing Yeah. For, for me this year, realizing that I don't, I don't really have much in my life other than the restaurant. And there's such a fine line between like, you know, trying to figure out if, you know, the level of, of healthiness that is for me. I mean, is, you know, this is still super gratifying for me and I'm still really motivated to, to 
to be here and be doing this. And, but I still have my days where it's like, what am I, what am I doing? I don't really have any life outside the restaurant. My husband is lovely and patient and he's in the industry in some respects. So he understands and knows, and I go home and I see him at night, but it's brief. And then I never have energy really on days off to, to do anything. Um, and so I was actually questioning this winter, especially after we had to, because we were allowed to open um, for indoor dining at 25% capacity and then 50% last summer. And then we were shut down again in November and we've been closed since November until this week um, just for indoor dining. I have a tent outside that we have kept. So we've had outdoor dining this whole time. Um, but um, where was I going with that? I got completely sidetracked. There's a shocker. Um, oh, but somebody, somebody, um, a friend of mine who owns a small business, uh, she owns a salon and she said, um, that she's closing because what she realized was that while COVID has been hard and the, the, you know, her business has suffered certainly as a result of that, she was not finding the joy even prior to COVID, um, Mm -hmm. you know, in having that that ownership and having the responsibilities of the business and not ever being able to, to just leave it at work and go home to her life. And so, um, she made the decision to close and she's working somewhere else and is just very happy now, but it was, it just struck me as an interesting thought, you know, did, did this bring me joy before COVID? And was I still really jazzed about doing what I'm doing? Um, because if that, if there was a component there where I was not, then maybe it's, maybe it's time to try and figure out what the next step is. But, um, but it, it did still give me that whatever it is that I need um, before all of this happened. And, and I've, it's been such a hard year, but I've found so many positives from it. Like with my staff, especially, I, I can't even begin to say how crazy it is every day to, to know that they have like put so much of their life into my business and what my dream has been especially this last year when I had to lay so many off. Um, but the kind of small core group of people that has stayed with me have, have just stepped into roles that I never would have necessarily put them into and, um, you know, really put everything into this, you know, texting me after hours about things they've seen that might work and ideas and, and just um, creating more of a, a, a cooperative sort of family feel in running this business where it's, it's really collaborative, um, between this core little staff that I've had this, this whole year. And that's, um, that's been super gratifying for me to just watch that happen. And, um, and I think my business will be much stronger as a result because we're, it doesn't feel so confined to just the four walls anymore. It's like, we, we have the tools to maybe expand and grow and do something different as well and take the business to another level. you know, if we decide to, because we just have learned so much this year and being able to just shift business models, like every day, it feels like, (laughs) um, that's, that's been pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know how I got there, but that was, I I mean, I have learned that I want less, less restaurants, you know, we have seven concepts and a couple side (laughs) projects at the moment. And you know, we have 17 people running all of this business and that's really challenging, but it feels really good to really know these people. 
and mm-hmm. to feel their commitment. And just like you said, yeah. I have bartenders who are delivering liquor and servers who are doing salads and, you know, line people who are managing the front and everybody's just pitching in and doing whatever, painting and cleaning and whatever we need to do. And, you know, that's a good core to grow from. It's always been really challenging for me in Asbury Park, especially because of the volume to even get to know my customers, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's been really sweet to be able to actually spend 10 minutes talking to a table where before it was always a burden. Like I'm always en route to another thing and never have a moment to just get to know somebody, a staff member or a customer. And, you know, it's, it's tough. It's tough balancing the motherhood piece of it and, and trying to figure out, like, I envy my husband. He's an artist. He has a studio in the back garage from our house and when he's stressed or whatever he just goes to the studio and I'm like where do I go yeah (laughs) make a pot of coffee (laughs) (laughs) that's my like big to do at home or or clean something you know I want something to go to besides work because I love my work but you know that's a whole other set of mental burden on yourself to not be able to step away. You know, I always mm-hmm. said every time I friggin' go get my toes done, something goes on fire or a walking goes down. Like, can I have 20 minutes to yeah. just get my feet done, you know, yeah. without feeling stressed that I'm the whole world's gonna come tumbling down? You yeah. know, because it's Murphy's Law, it does. You know, why didn't that okay. happen 20 minutes later when I got back to the restaurant so I can have right. my 20 minutes? You know, and through all of this, I feel like I'm getting my 20 minutes. And I don't know if it's just the universe saying, okay, you're finding some sort of balance for yourself. So we're not going to, you know, bother you so much and stress you out (laughs) as much on that level. Or maybe it's just there's so much stress that you don't notice the little things as much anymore. You know, it's, um, I think we're going to look back and learn a, a lot about our culture and ourselves from this. And also look at it as why are we still in this a year later? Like, yeah, cannot believe that, you know, we're on this call talking about shutdowns across the country and that reality that it's happening for the whole world right now. And it's still happening a year later. And what is that going to look like for our industry and for ourselves? And, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's a very weird time. And for people like us who like to travel, I feel very claustrophobic and trapped, you know, look at airline flights, you know, let's go to Hawaii. Let's go to the Dominican Republic. Let's go to Puerto Rico. And it's like, no, we've got a quarantine. And then we got a quarantine when we come back and you've got to do all these things. It's just so complicated to enjoy life outside of where you are anymore. It's weird. For me, you know, mm-hmm. I just want to go, go, go somewhere else all the time. And I look back on when I started and I traveled all winter. I was in the snowboard industry. I was a rep. I would ride five days a week, drive to Killington for the day, you know, take a six hour drive to just go ride and come home that night. And now it's like, I can't even get the energy to go away for 
an hour trip to the Poconos seems like a burden yeah. to me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> back then I would work my butt off all summer, cook, be a chef, and then take my winners off and have fun. And I probably in hindsight made just as much money as I do now, <laughs> you know, I have more stuff I have to pay for. So it's all relative. You know? I don't know where I'm going with that, but. You know, it's always interesting to try to find that balance between um, in business between growing and then, but then wanting to have some balance in life. And when it's, when you're growing all the time, it's hard to, I mean, even if you delegate well and all that still, still becomes really challenging. This has forced people to stop and, and do what both of y'all have talked about and reassess. I always wonder about stuff like this, if it's going to, I mean, we've made changes, you know, around our house and, uh, we, you know, all kinds of stuff has been, we found a lot of positives from this, but vaccines going to get rolled out, you know, people are going to start going back out. I wonder if, I wonder what will, like, I wonder what it'd be like a couple of years from now, like how, you know, what will have permanently changed or will we like fall back in just with the natural momentum of just kind of getting back. Like remember 9-11, like everybody was rah-rah together and nice. And everybody was like, for a while there, it was like, everybody was, you know, pulling together and, and then all, and it's like over time, it's just like, oh, now we're mad at it again. And you know, it's like, I don't know, human nature is really interesting, but I think there's a lot of pent up demand for uh, the consumers, people to just get out and, get back to some sense of normalcy, which means you get busy again and you got to hire more people. And then next thing you know, you're like, holy cow, we're right back where we were. Like, I wonder if that, how much of that will happen. I'm really curious. Until they, until they slap the tip minimum wage on us and we all put computers on the table and no more people are going to work in the industry. Oh yeah. What is it where, what is it where you are? Is there service wage? I mean, is it a service wage state? I don't know. I can't remember. We have New a Jersey. wage and a tipped wage. You do have a tip wage. Okay. Yeah. When they take we're, that away, we're in trouble. They, yeah. We don't have tipped wage out here. So we're, Minimum wage has just gone up this year for everyone um, to thirteen sixty-five an hour. So my servers, my sixteen-year-old dishwasher, like whoever is is thirteen sixty-five an hour, um, and it's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's supposed to go. The goal is to go up to fifteen, um, and so it has increased every year for the last. I guess they passed that here two years ago now. Um, so and it's deal with the explain to me how you are your employees tipped or are you paying them a wage uh they're tipped yeah they um we've this year changed our tipping structure um because business was so weird and it was you know we were doing just takeout for a while and and so it's like how do you how do they make a, I mean, they're still getting paid 1365 an hour, but they're used to getting that plus full tips. I mean, they make really good money, um, really good money because they were still making tips like anywhere else. I came, I came from, you know, Vermont, which was a, we made, I think I was making 389 an hour when I left plus tips, but um, they, because they've gotten so used to that, I had to try and figure out some sort of structure to, to, to still be able to compensate them. So we actually do a pooled tip structure now, and I'm shocked that they have adapted to that and been so 
okay with it, quite frankly. So they, um, even though we're doing indoor dining now, they all have different roles that they kind of switch. So we'll have someone do, you know, bar and floor and takeout and whatever. Um, and we just, we just pull all of their tips based on the shift and the hours they work and it goes on to their paycheck now. Um, and there's a, a large percentage, not large, but there's a larger percentage than there used to be that now goes to the back of the house as well, which helps, um, you know, just lessen that the, the disparity between the two front of the house and back of the house. And they're all really happy. I was super nervous that they would try and find something else where they would have more of the traditional tip structure again. Um, and this seems to be working for all of them, but it's still incredibly difficult when it's that much of a minimum wage to, to just figure out how to, how to run the business. I mean, it's, it's huge. 1365 when it goes to 15, I mean, it's, um, it's, it's the biggest challenge that I have. We're going to go from 413 to 15. Oh my God. Oh going to kill us. My I mean, how you can't even dollars this year if that goes through federally, wow. you know, and we're, we've never tipped the back of the house because, mm -hmm. you know, when you're working for 413 plus your tips, you're walking away with $25, $30 an hour. Right. The kitchen line guy that's making 25 is okay with that. But when that starts going to the floor, making 40, $50 an hour, yeah. you know, I'm going to have to figure out how they give the, some of that to the back and, it's just, we're not, you know, our culture isn't that in New Jersey and New York and the metropolitan area. We just mm -hmm. never lived with that. I don't, you know, you see it happening already where lots of restaurants are switching to tablets and doing away with service industry people altogether, which, why do this? <laughs> you know? Why, right, yeah. You know? And the bar, we haven't had bars. We're not allowed to have bar seating. We haven't been... At at all since COVID, here. so mm -hmm. there's no reason to have a bartender anyway, a service mm -hmm. bartender. So mm -hmm. it's going to be really crazy when it happens. I think a lot of the industry is going to not be able to move through it into yeah. a financially viable place, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's always even where we're at. When I When I bought the restaurant, I think it was... I don't remember what minimum wage was. I think it was closer to eight bucks an hour at that point. Um, and they have just gradually increased it every year since then. I've, I've had the restaurant for 10 years now. And um, so I've, since I've had it, had to, you know, make it work because that, that's been the law here, but, um, but it's, it, it's not profitable. <laughs> I mean, it's not really profitable. I, I remodeled two years ago, which in hindsight was really poor timing, but um, we dumped a ton of money into the restaurant and, and space. And so now I have a huge construction loan that I've been trying to deal with for the last year, which is why I've felt more of a, a push to make sure that I'm constantly staying open and sort of, you know, constantly switching things to try and figure out what people are looking for that could be more profitable and for us, because I have that huge loan hanging over my head. So I really have to make it work. Um, and trying to manage that with that payroll expense is even, I mean, even, even with a small staff, I had 40, I had about 45 last summer, like the summer before COVID and I had 23 and that was it when we closed last year, but I have 
14 now. Um, and even that is just, it's a lot. I can't imagine, how do you even plan going from $4 plus to 15? Like how, I don't. I don't know how we're going to do it. You know, when does that go into effect? It depends. It's if it passes, right? Yeah. Federal. It's okay. So yeah. Oh, you're talking about the federal. Yeah. Yeah. It'll override the state. But, mm -hmm. you know, we have a Democratic governor, so he'll go along with it. You know, I mean, the $15 an hour, we've kind of scaled up to that for the past few years, knowing it was going to hit. But the tipped wage, we never thought that that would become part of this equation, which is, you know, we're going to have to revamp everything. Mm -hmm. and probably end up losing a lot of people in the industry while that growing pain is happening, you know? Yeah. Because they're just, you know, a bartender on a Saturday at Langosta sometimes makes $800. And then I'm going to pay them $150 on top of that. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's crazy. Yeah. I'm going to be asking them for money. <laughs> you guys <laughs> pay my paycheck every week. <laughs> Seriously. Oh, oh yeah. Has it always been a no tipped wage there? Yeah, as far as I mean, I I moved here for the first time in 2003 and I was here just a couple of years, but it was same then. It was so I mean maybe maybe way earlier it, it was a, a tipped wage state, but to my knowledge since then it I mean for the most part it, it has been that way. So it's the structurally um I don't know. It's in hindsight, had I known, I didn't, I was young and I, I didn't do as much research going into this as I probably should have. I was just so excited about the opportunity. And then I took over and realized, wow, coming from Vermont, coming from New England, where, you know, I worked in restaurants and it was, it was that way um, to seeing the percentage that was payroll really when I was in it, it was shocking to me. And I, um, if I could do it all over again, I would not have come to Washington state to, to own a restaurant. This is a very difficult state to, to be a, um, a restaurant owner and the, their taxes here are really um, kind of insane as far as the way it's, it's all structured. It, there are a lot of hurdles, certainly. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think New Jersey too, more so with our liquor license laws and in situation more than anything because our liquor like I don't know what it's like by you but here a liquor license is like a piece of real estate some towns you pay 150 for it sometimes towns you pay a million for it depending oh, on oh. wow you know it's, yeah it's not like that here I have heard of that though I can't imagine so how do they base they just base it on location yeah like, like buying a house if you buy a house in an area like princeton you're gonna spend mm -hmm. a couple million you buy a liquor license in princeton you're gonna spend a million oh my god mm -hmm. so, so that's and is there a certain amount like is there a, is it like a lottery where there's a there are only x amount of licenses they give out or yeah each town has its own amount of licenses so you can't move that license out of the township either wow they sell it within the township and you know that's why we have never gotten a beer and wine license here because the liquor license holders are so adamant not to lose the value you know i don't blame them you know, mm -hmm. but you know i've bought real estate in places where i thought it was going to 
go up exponentially and it declines. So, you know, you're, you're taking a gamble. I own two liquor licenses and one property that's BYOB. And honestly, I make more money at the BYOB. My insurance is so much less. Everything mm -hmm. is less complicated than the other locations, you know? We have crazy yeah. liquor license laws. Now we're going to have the marijuana to deal with. It's like, you know, you get to the point where it's more about legislation and taxes and laws than it is about when I started. I was a chef operator. My health care was $60 a month and <laughs> my taxes were nothing and there was nobody really paying attention to me and I just cooked and had fun and fed people and felt great. And now I'm just, every day I'm like, what's happening? Let's listen to Governor Murphy's new bills yeah. that we're gonna have to deal with this week. You know, too great. much government, y'all. Golly, that's crazy. I, that is absolutely nuts. Um, well, uh, what well, I want to wrap this because I've had y'all for an hour and I want to respect your time. And um, but is there anything else that y'all wanted to wrap about tonight before we kind of close it up? Anything going on in the industry that you're excited about or concerned about other than all that mess? <laughs> I feel like I could go on for hours about everything I'm concerned about. I, it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm always excited about it, but the, the concerns, the list is exponentially more long than um, prior years, just knowing, knowing that realistically the industry is just so rocked and changed by this and even though I you know I talked earlier about my optimism and feeling like you know I could you know what what projects might grow from this that's that's real and that's there but it's also um you know maybe partially fear-based knowing that um the restaurant that I have poured so much into is is gone in some respects it, it, this will not you know, we won't be the same again. I, I feel like I'd like to believe that we could be, but I, I think everything is just so, it has been so changed by this year that um, it's just really, restaurants have always been, you know, unfamiliar territory. You never really know what you're facing the next day. Part of me loves that and keeps me excited, but um, it's really, you know, it's pretty scary looking forward, trying to um, just wondering if it's if it's going to continue to be this challenging every day moving forward, trying to to pay attention to what the governor is saying and the different mandates and what we have to do now to make sure that we're able to be open. And um, I don't know. I just I I feel like um, like I haven't seen even the 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 most of the challenges that we'll face, you know, that will come maybe years down the road as a result to, to all of this. So um, I don't know, that's a little scary, mm -hmm. I suppose. Um, yeah, but it's real. I feel like we, you know, having been through Sandy and, and having so much devastation personally and financially, I know what does come out of this, and this feels the same on some levels, that you start to connect with more like-minded people, whether they're your customers or your fellow industry owners or operators or chefs or whatever. And personally, my tolerance for nonsense and 
lack of compatibility from people um, gets more pronounced. And I start to remember that there are millions of people on the universe. I don't have to be friends with every single one of them, purchase from every single one of them, or hire every single one of them. <laughs> I can hone in and, and find the connections that fit my ethics and moral values. And, you know, and I've been on so many podcasts and Zooms and things over the last year. I mean, it's like the new thing, but I've been able to connect with so many people that I've never would have had the chance, like just here today to meet you mm -hmm. lovely women. And now know that when I travel, I would like to go where you are and see what you're doing. And this industry, though, it looks on TV to be so full of camaraderie and everybody's helping each other. And it's a very fearful industry because the profit margins are so small, if you have any at all at this point, that we all get so worried about letting anybody in or giving anything up. And maybe I'm just probably older than most women in this industry and have been doing this for almost 40 years that now I just, I want to help everybody. I want to collaborate with everybody. I don't want to do anything on my own anymore. I want to, you know, partner and do with people who are like-minded. And I think this tends to connect you to that where when you're in your busy time and everything's great, you don't even connect with yourself, never mind other people. So now we have that opportunity. So I try to look at what will I think of this a year from now and stay in that mindset that don't get caught up in all this because a year from now, you're going to look back and say, well, yeah, you could have seen that coming if you took the time. So why'd you worry so much about it? Or, you know, maybe you should have just gone for a two day hike in the woods and nobody's really going to look at you a year from now and, and question that. So, you know, you have to start putting things in perspective in all of this and, if it doesn't work out, you know, there's that old adage, if, if it doesn't feel like the end, then it's not the end. Or if, mm -hmm. you know, if, if it's not working out, oh, well, it's not over. You can still do something else. You can still change things. And at least our customers, hopefully, I mean, there will be a percentage of people on the planet who are totally clueless to that to what's going on in this world right now or in this industry, they will have some patience with the fact that we've had to reinvent ourselves almost every day for the last year. And mm -hmm. that's a good thing. You know, maybe it'll calm people down, get them to enjoy the experience of hospitality again, instead of being so demanding in it all the time. Yes. I agree yeah. with that. I hope I have seen some of that too. I mean, just even in the last, we were slammed last night and so dreadfully understaffed. I had two in the front and two, me and one other person in the kitchen and we were just buried. And it was one of those moments where it's like, oh my God, these people are going to be so unhappy. It just took 45 minutes to get them their order. And everyone was, I mean, there were no issues. It was, it was shocking to me. Everyone was just so grateful to have like to be able to be inside again and they were super understanding and they just bought more drinks and hung out. And it was like, it was a recipe for disaster in my mind. I was just freaking out thinking this is horrible. 
And they, they were super stoked still. They were really happy. And, and um, that I feel like a year ago, I don't, I would have had 15 Yelp reviews by now. I mean, you know, it just would have been, it, I know how it would have been and it was not that way. They were just remarkably understanding. So I guess they're there. That is some light in all of this as well. As long as they don't revert back and forget. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's what I was wondering, but you know, people really do. They, one good thing for the industry is it, I mean, there's like you said, Mary, maybe there's some percent, most people know that y'all got, you know, hit really hard, really unfairly and not, you know, I mean, just no fault to your own and just, you've been open and shut down. I mean, even the customers are like, I can, I, I, I don't even know, am I allowed to go inside a place or like, what is, what, what's going on now? You can't keep up with it. It's crazy. People get it and they, they are, um, I believe more aware than ever of how much they care about y'all and your teams and your establishments and how important it is to have them. I mean, this is something we've, I've talked to each of you about and we've all talked about for years is just how, you know, what y'all do is, is like critical to the fabric of, you know, the culture and, and any great city or great town is great when you narrow it down in large part because there's great restaurants and, you know, often great music and stuff. And there's, that brings people together for the highs and lows of life and the ups and downs and particularly independent restaurants like y'all, where there's so much of your heart and your passion and your love poured into it, you being the owner. Um, it's people realize that more now. I mean, I, we felt like that for a long time, but I've had a lot of my friends and family in the last year saying, you know, you were right, man. Our, our favorite restaurants aren't open right now. This really stinks. Like, how do we help them? Like, what can we do? Because we miss them a lot. Uh, so that's a good thing. Um, and uh, I think that will hopefully continue uh, for y'all. What you do is really, really important and it matters so much. A lot of people are conscious of it. Some people, you know, maybe not as conscious. I bet a lot more and more now. But um, uh, what you do is just, it's awesome. And uh, the people you work for, work with and the people you serve get so much value in their lives for what you all provide every day with so much love. So I tip my hat as always. Thanks for what you're doing. Thank you. For, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, well, y'all, I'm going to let you roll. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time, both of you, this evening. I know, Lisa, you probably got to get in that kitchen. But uh, yeah. Um, thanks for uh, tell and tell your staff thanks for for covering because uh, this is great. <laughs> really appreciate it. And um, thanks for including we'll, me. Yeah, and just y'all stay tuned. Keep watching these. We're gonna keep doing them. If you want to come on another one, just let me know because I mean, you know, there's a, a good good number of y'all that I, I I'm happy to talk to anytime. And I, and I think y'all all um, are, are wonderful women who. Um, all seem to you know get enjoy getting to know each other and respect each other so thank you uh very much and um as always y'all if you need anything just you know where i am let me know thanks will marilyn it was really nice to meet you i i wish you all of the luck and whatever direction you end up going and maybe having less restaurants <laughs> sounds that sounds and more time to travel <laughs> yes that sounds really nice right now <laughs> so um, anyway, thank you for taking the time. It was nice to chat with both of you. Yeah, you too.
All right. All right. Take care. See y'all. All right. Good night.